P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. So Kyle, today we're talking about Punch Drunk Love. Ah, Punch Drunk Love. Um, what it's like. An Adam Sandler film. <laughs> we'll get into that on another podcast. Yeah, but yeah, Adam Sandler. Yes, yeah. an Adam Sandler film, not your Classic. typical, not your no. typical Adam Sandler oh, film. It's, though. it's not. Did you watch today's movie? Yes, I did, and it's not, <laughs> and it's not. Maybe I thought it was. But, but you've been someone who's always contended that Adam Sandler gets shit on a little too much. I do think so. He's, I think he's one of the more important figures in. American history. Yes, American history. No, in uh, like comedic films in the past uh, 20, 20 plus years. Um, maybe not like some people refer as a holy trinity. Maybe it's a holy quadrinity I call of his films, which are uh, oh, yeah, Billy Madison. What are your favorites? Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Wedding Singer, Big Daddy. Those are like his best, and those are just, you know, like nothing comes close as far as like again Adam Sandler movies you got movies like Punch Drunk Love sure that's totally but you mean in like the the Happy Madison canon in the Happy Madison canon yes but I mean God knows I have a soft spot for like that's my boy <laughs> oh man Um, I even have like I mean it's not Happy Madison I think but I liked one of the more recent ones uh, Pixels that you was... liked Pixels yeah I enjoyed Pixels everyone hate Pixels it's a Christopher Columbus movie it, it, uh, it did well for me and uh, Bedtime Stories that was a fun one even I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Don't watch that movie now. Have you seen it recently? No. It's so dated. It's so like homophobic and pretty bad. At the time, it's like ah, two guys are getting married. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, no, I, I. Someone told me that, and I saw it recently, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. This this kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what movie I like? The Water Boy. The Water Boy. Oh yeah. Come on. The Water Boy. <laughs> Little Nicky. Little Little, fun. See, he had a really, really good run. I'm not saying he's done. I'm not saying that, but I, I think it's like, now, he, now he takes vacations. Well, that, that's the thing. We always talk about this. Like he just shoots movies where he wants to take a vacation to. So he does take a vacation in this one. He he goes to Hawaii, but I think it's fair to say that P.T. Anderson makes him work. That he, this is not a vacation of a film. No, this is not Africa. This is not Hawaii blended version. Yeah, or Fifty First States in Hawaii too, yep. right? Yeah. Like just like let me take a trip to Hawaii. No, no, no. P.T. Anderson makes them work. Iggy Pop, Amen. Let him rock. I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat. We crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a payback. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, Hoff fans, welcome back to another edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Smear Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. Today we're going to be talking about another P.T. Anderson film. Yes, the fourth collaboration. Punch Drunk Love. One of my favorites, actually. It's great, and this was definitely a film I was just like, I mean, it's just such a juicy, small role for Philip Seymour Hoffman, but boy, he's just like a powerhouse in the time that he's on screen. 
And Kyle, we're not alone today. No, we are not alone. U-Haw fans are in for a treat. We've got Colin Bressler here. Hey, Colin. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, Colin. Thanks for coming. So Colin is the brother of Zach Bressler, who we had on for another PTA film, Boogie Nights. True. Um, Synergy. Very true. Synergy. And so, Colin, when I asked you, you know, we were, again, so your first time guest, and back when I was starting, when Brian and I were starting PSL of Hoffman, I was like, oh, I definitely want to get Colin on. And I asked you, uh, you know, what films, and you said Punch Drunk Love. Can you, what, um, what made you say Punch Drunk Love? Uh, I mean, I, I think for me, when I first saw it, uh, I'm always kind of attracted to movies. This is, I guess, my personality thing, but I'm always attracted to movies that are a little off the beaten track. Not to say like Jean-Luc Godard off the beaten track, but like, you know, uh, I, I just always kind of responded to that movie. I remember watching it the first time and being like, what the heck was that? And in a good way, in a good way. Like, a, yeah, yeah. like, a, like yeah. I just witnessed something different um but again, in a good way because different doesn't always mean great but um but in this case like it was like what the doctor ordered at that point yeah so i mean so colin uh let, i'll let everyone know you work in production you're a filmmaker yourself and so is there something in th- that from this film like spoke to you just as far as you know as a filmmaker yeah, well, uh, I uh, I I like to call myself a filmmaker. I'm I'm I. My wife tells me not to uh, be hesitant. She tells me not to be <laughs> hesitant about the term because she 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 always finds I'm defensive about it. Only from the standpoint, of, I'm actually a cinematographer by trade. I went to film school and graduated sure. as a cinematographer. Gotcha, so, gotcha. like, I've I've always played the role of that role on a set. So, uh, in terms of this movie, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean it's 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 beautifully shot but it's not yeah. beautifully shot in in a uh braveheart sense you know what i mean it's it's beautifully yeah and like a tr- in a traditional <laughs> epic like you know cinematography yeah sense. you know what i mean like like a lot of like the the academy particularly falls in love and, and they should i'm not saying they shouldn't but like with dunkirk for instance like cinematography on an epic scale this movie's small you know, and but yet it's the cinematography of this movie is is so in line with with the sound and the music and everything else going on that it's just like it just I remember watching it and being like all of it was so visceral to me and the way it was shot was visceral and I was like, Wow, that's this is intense. Yeah, definitely a great word for it, visceral. Visceral, and I also want to, it's kind of funny, but I want to say the word ambitious, which again, it's, that's, uh, you know, it's kind of funny saying that because you look at Boogie Nights and then Magnolia, the last film that he did, and again with, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, because that is an ambitious film and just like, you know, called it in the, you know, bio for it, like his magnum opus. But this is an intimate, small, but ambitious film in a way you know it's just i mean and talk about going ahead and picking adam sandler for it that you know that threw that threw me for a loop back in 2002 uh, <laughs> you know, that was kyle and i know you, you when you saw this I, i'm gonna give you more credit but like part of you is like looking for a sandler film right like <laughs> you you wanted to see the water boy <laughs> <laughs> i mean hey it definitely uh calls back harkens back to like one of his first films of Billy Madison with all the pudding going on in this movie. Pudding pack. Oh, true. Yeah, I didn't even think about <laughs> pudding that. Pudding pack, snack pack. <laughs> but, Kyle, you promised me pudding today. Where's my pudding? Oh, uh, that I'm your pudding. <laughs> no, come uh, <laughs> Hard edit. Hard edit. Um, 
Colin, we always have a couple of questions we like to ask our first-time guests. Brian, you want to throw them Colin's way? Sure. So the first question we always ask everybody is, when did you first notice Philip Seymour Hoffman? Like, what film was it the first film where you, maybe you didn't know his name, or maybe you did, but the first time you kind of noticed him on screen? Um, well, I mean, like everyone else, I think it was in The New Gun where he played Chris. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I have, his, I have his IMDb page up, and I, I've been planning that joke for about 10 minutes. Uh, no, I mean... It landed, sir. It landed. Thank you. I was like, really? Oh, yeah, it's Chris. I mean, he killed it as Chris. I mean, he was... I mean, um, I, I mean the, probably the, I, everyone's saying the same thing, and I can't unfortunately bring anything new to the table. I, I have to say Twister, uh, only because... And I hate to reiterate a Bressler motif here, but like uh, Money for Nothing is a movie on his uh, filmography I really like. Before that, anything before that, Sin of a Woman I've obviously seen, but I don't remember him in it. Um, stuff beyond that, although Leap of Faith, that's the one with um, Ed Norton, right? Or am I thinking of something else? No, Leap of no, Faith. No, is that's just... Keeping the Faith. Yeah. Okay. Kyle, one of your <laughs> favorites, Keeping the Faith. <laughs> anyway, this is, I screwed that up. But the point, I, I guess I'll just say. Um, <laughs> point on that is uh yeah i would say twister from the standpoint it's a big budget movie um not a movie i particularly loved but i liked him in it um and a backstory here that you can use or not use is and kyle knows this is i have i went to film school with the guy who played buzz yeah. from home oh, cool. and one of the funny parts of this and i Zach might have alluded to this i'm not sure but is that like Buzz, the guy, his name's Devin Rattray. Devin Rattray and and back then in, in the Twister days of Full Seymour Hoffman were physique-wise and like looks-wise kind of the same guy. They actually looked <laughs> kind of similar. And so um, I remember when I saw Twister, and I was still – I'm not as close to the guy Devin Rattray anymore. But back then I was very close to him, and we were still in school. But I, I literally was like – I saw the movie in the theater, and I was like, oh, my God, Devin got – this job he didn't tell anybody he's in twister wow. i really thought because i didn't know who philip seymour hoffman was yeah and i see this guy who looks kind of like him but they're like different definitely they look different but there was something they're both a little overweight at the time yada 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 so it was just a funny side note to that it was that and i remember the next time i had seen devin retray i kind of busted it because i knew he wasn't in it but I, I busted his chops on it and i was like oh they got you. they they got a guy to replace you so you will never work again because they've got not little knowing the guy would become one of the great actors in like cinema, <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But I hope that joke still bothers him. Well, if he listens to this, <laughs> it will, I'm sure, because he'll probably te- email me and some nasty words. Did you just <laughs> did you just call him Dusty from then on? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I should have actually. That would have been amazing. That's a fun little fun little story. Side note, yeah. And the second question. What is your favorite role of his? Wow. Um, I'm actually looking through his filmography because, I mean, there's so many. I mean, Capote. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go with my, my gut. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say my favorite um, is probably Capote. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right, by the way, but um, yeah. is that role because, I mean, I remember watching that film and just being utterly immersed in that character. And I didn't, I, I, I mean, at that point, he was already kind of, he was a pretty recognizable face 
actor per se and so seeing him play that role i was like how the hell is he gonna i remember seeing the trailer and i was like how's he gonna pull this off for two hours or whatever the length of the film yeah and it's like five minutes in i was like i was watching the actual writer author truman capote and i wasn't watching him anymore and to do that with a guy with a strange voice and kind of an act attitude and this whole thing he was pulling off i just thought was pretty amazing yeah i mean that movie he just completely it's one of those roles like that you have those actors that just transform themselves physically, like emotionally, just every, everything about that role. And I mean, that's why he ended up winning Best Actor for it. I mean, it definitely didn't go... Yeah, well-deserved. 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 I mean, maybe some people will say otherwise, but haven't heard too many of them. We have heard some people criticize that that uh, performance of his, but I think they're just nitpicking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just jealous of our main man. <laughs> I know, <exactly. laughs> I mean, Punch Drunk Love, what was, did you, it came out in 2002, like we said, fourth collaboration with director P.T. Anderson. This was like the first film they did together that the role wasn't specifically written for him, which I found pretty oh, interesting. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, you were kind of alluding to it before, Kyle, like what a follow-up, at least lengthwise, uh, from Magnolia to this? What is this, like an hour 30? Yeah, I mean, it's what a refreshing uh, <laughs> just movie in general, but then especially in the, um, you know, category of P.T. Anderson films, it's just, like, to, um, you know, to the point, and I, I, I love it. I don't think anyone here doesn't like it, right, guys? <laughs> No, 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 and it was yeah. pretty well received too. It didn't make its money back, though. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I didn't. I didn't look at the exact numbers. <laughs> like, I don't know, like the exact numbers, but like the Wikipedia total is like four hundred thousand dollars short or something like that. Huh? Wow. So whatever. <laughs> That's not why he's making movies. So. Yeah, I mean, Magnolia. He said, and as we said in that episode. Um, he wanted to make a smaller film after Boogie Nights, and then it turned into like his biggest film uh and like you know very probably his most ambitious film so i think i feel like this is what he wanted to do right after boogie nights but then he made magnolia and then he made this and i mean just uh you know not his ensembles and it's just i mean it's a pretty pretty awesome movie yeah for sure and uh, before uh we dive too far into it kyle why don't you give us one of your famous Famous old little summaries there. All right, here we go. Barry Egan, played by Adam Sandler, is an uncomfortable and lonely man with many insecurities. His sister introduces him to Lena, who begins to get Barry out of his shell, but their new romance is at risk due to the owner of a sex phone line who extorts and threatens Barry. Boom. The mattress man. The mattress man. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get into that. That is a treat of its own. <laughs> The commercial of the mattress man again it's a pretty straightforward movie uh we already commented on the cinematography and colin you briefly mentioned like the sound but the music and like the it's almost like a music concrete in this film it's just like weird noises and just a lot with that harmonium that he finds in the film what did you guys think of that well, the, the music really kept me on edge. Like, uh, like I was, I just have anxiety issues to begin with, and this, <laughs> this is like high anxiety music. It gave you agita. It did. I was like, oh no. Uh, <laughs> it's like sweating. Oof. 
which is great, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I um, absolutely, I I can't agree more. And I think that, like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, obviously, I saw it back then, and then I I saw it. You know, I'm sure I saw it over the years sporadically, but when Kyle first got me involved in it, I was like, all right, I got to go rewatch it, which I was excited about doing. But I, I honestly, I couldn't remember a lot of that stuff. So I wonder if the, if the viewer who comes to this movie for the first time, and again, I'm sort of asking this to you guys, is like, I just don't remember that. I remember Adam Sandler beating the crap out of things. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember, the, the, I remember falling in love with... Um, the actress, I can't think of her name right now for some reason. Emily Watson. Um, Emily Watson, thank you. Yeah, I, I remember falling in love with her, her character being so, you know, beautiful and everything and, and, and all that. I just, I, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. I remember being like, how awesome is that character? But I just, I, I didn't remember the, the, like, like you said, the anxiety of the, the music and then, and then, in in preparation of this looking at the articles written about it and and then some of like the youtube sort of followers right you know little videos about that and talking about the sound i started paying a little bit more attention i was like oh my god like what a masterpiece of like sound design in terms of like just trying to like like you said you gave you cold sweats as you're watching this guy like screaming and then these sisters are always beating up on him it was just like it's an uncomfortable experience. And then into what you said about how it didn't make any, or didn't make its money back. Like immediately when you said that, I was like, yeah, I mean, I, it makes total sense to me because the average viewer probably walked away going, I really didn't enjoy any of that. <laughs> you know, because of that, that sound, that intensity of like the experience. Yeah, I mean, it's a film, like it's got that component. Put anyone in the lead role and you do what PT Anderson did with the, sound and the music and just even this movie doesn't have like an opening title sequence it just has and then it jumps to those the weird like almost it reminded me of like close encounters of the third kind blending of colors and it's an odd movie it's this romance but it's definitely not your traditional like romance or rom-com and it deals with plenty of awkward situations that i think people can just respond and relate to but we're going to talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman, but Adam Sandler in this movie, being a kid at the time, and obviously, and he was one of the biggest comedic actors, you put him in this role. I mean, P.T. Anderson, he was asked after Magnolia, what do you want to do next? And he said, I don't know what I want to do next, but I know the two actors I want to work with, Adam Sandler and Daniel Day-Lewis. Huh. Wow, well. And what did he do? He did Punch on Glove, and then he does There Will Be Blood. And people just laughed because, I mean, sure, Daniel Day-Lewis, great. I mean, but Adam Sandler, I mean, even if his comedies, you know, I mean, we can, we're not going to get into the comedies he makes now, (laughs) but the comedies he was making then, I mean, were some of the biggest comedies at that time. I mean, you've got just four of my favorite of Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, Wedding Singer, and Big Daddy. I mean, those are great, you know, like, stupid funny comedies. What, well, that's what I'm saying. To somebody who's never heard of Punch Drunk Love or never seen Punch Drunk Love, yeah. if, if I'm going to say, oh, we're going to watch an Adam Sandler film called Punch Drunk Love, yeah. they're assuming we're, you know, we're, we're teaming up with Drew Barrymore, we're going to Hawaii or something. <laughs> hey, they go to Hawaii, you know, baby. I know, I know. And it's, it's, like, it's, it's like so different. And it's refreshing. And I think we've talked about this off-air, Kyle. Just occasionally, Adam Sandler, who really gets shit on now, and some of it is deserving, but he occasionally will pop in with this dramatic role and he'll be like, you know what? That guy can act. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 
there's, I mean, some just examples. I mean, fu- funny people is everyone's fifty-fifty on that, but he does give. I mean, you know, it deals with a ca- uh, character that has cancer, and so he just, I mean, you know, he's he's very good in that. And that movie uh, was it rain rain on me or rain over me? It's the it's the Who song, the nine eleven one, right? Yeah, the yeah. Well, the post nine eleven. Sure. Yeah. There's that one, and then he's even got uh, another movie coming out with uh, Ben Stiller, and I'm totally, I'm actually, I'm. Going to it right now. I think it's coming up on Netflix, and which Adam Sandler's been doing a lot of Netflix movies. But it's not. It's called the uh, Merowitz Stories. But it's him, Dustin Hoffman, Judd Hirsch is in it. It's directed by Noah Baumbach. Yeah, supposedly he's. I mean, early people around the film have said he's done a really great job with that. So yeah, that's just. I think that's really. I mean, Noah Baumbach. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but he's definitely one of he's up there with like you know the younger directors of pt anderson and wes anderson he's just i mean i'm excited to see that yeah i mean it's it's surprising i guess because is this would be like the first time we've seen adam sandler do this right but it's awesome i mean like i'll i'll always have the image of him in this blue suit you know yeah that's definitely (laughs) the blue the blue suit is like its own character (laughs) <laughs> it's it's funny too because like I, I watch watching the movie again. I'm I'm and knowing the trajectory of his career. It, you're watching this movie and I'm saying to myself, and, and I, I'm not a Hollywood insider, so I don't know. But I, I watch and I, I'm like, what, why would you not walk away from this movie? Be like with with the power he had and still has to some extent, but to be able to probably sculpt his career in terms of who he works with, what kind of scripts he's interested in. Um, and like you said, working with young filmmakers sort of like trying to get out there. Cause like you said, Spanglish, this movie, yeah, Spanglish, um, Spanglish yeah, is such yeah, a yeah, yeah. Totally line. Like that, yeah. he's obviously got that Bill Murray thing is it's like less is more with Adam Sandler. If he kind of brings the character down and holds it, you know, holds it to the vest, so to speak. It, there's something there about an actor in him, and, and you know, I'm just watching this, and I'm like, I'm just amazed that he hasn't, or after this, he didn't go. You know what? I want to do like one of those every three years. You know, and just find directors that want to. Now, obviously, this one, from reading what I've read, it's a little different because P.T. Anderson, like you said, was looking to do this movie with him. But um, I'm sure there's if so, if he called some sort of guy with two films under his belt, who's you know a Sundance favorite or something, it was like, hey, can we work together? I don't think he's getting a lot of rejections in that regard. It's just surprising that he went on to do. You know, like you said, a Drew Barrymore phase of 15 straight Drew Barrymore movies after. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just surprising that you wouldn't be like, yeah, I kind of want to be taken a little bit more seriously. Let me try to do this a I, little bit more often. The only thing I could think of is that he didn't want to be, like, that he has more fun doing those. I mean, he has a lot of control over those films. We know that, like, this weirdo comedy ones. Yeah, he gets to star in with yeah, hot women and true. go to exotic locations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now he's doing the whole thing with all his contemporary buddies. Yeah, you know that, that like the yeah. SNL crew from 1992, like making a movie yeah. after a movie. You know that, that what is that called? The brothers or the classmates or whatever the hell it's called. Oh, uh, oh, god, the one with like it's, it. it's like space grown ups, grown ups, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grown ups yeah. five, you know. So it's like he's definitely gotten into that world. Which I, I was, look, you know, movie. We all know making a movie is hard, and there's long hours. And he's probably like, I want to be hanging out with my best friends, and you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it's one of those things that. Uh, no, it's it's one of those things that like you you watch them, and I'm not a kid anymore. Like, 
it, but I, supposedly kids still find these movies fun. Like, they wouldn't be making them if they weren't. They still do really well as far as views and box office-wise. And so there's a market for it, and he was making... I mean, even P.T. Anderson actually says that he still watches, uh, th- you know, all his movies, and he finds them funny. He says, that, you know, they're stupid, and they just, like, you don't have to think. Yeah, yeah. And you just watch them. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, P.T. Anderson's married to Maya Rudolph, a uh, SNL alum, so... Oh, that's right. That yeah. Little, yeah. I always forget that. What you were saying, Colin, as far as making, uh, you know, doing this and then like molding his career, or you know, you could just do the balance for every three stupid, silly movies, make a whatever. Let's just call it like you know, art house picture. I think even P. D. Anderson called it a Sandler art house movie or something like that. But um, Steve Buscemi is uh, to go into like you know that realm. He's in Adam Sandler movies, and then he's also in uh, Michael Bay movies. He's quoted, <laughs> you know, saying that he does those movies because they're fun to make they pay well and then he goes off and like directs his own little things or acts in his little art house movies and that's you know so there's that's something that as an actor as a as an artist that person has decided to do but i guess one reason or another uh adam sandler does decided that's you know not exactly what's going to be but then he's going to go I mean, ahead. even even jim carrey did more of that you know yeah sure yeah but jim carrey yeah yeah Jim Carrey had some more dramatic flops, though, too. Like, you know, well, you know, maybe that's what he was afraid of as well. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Well, we've surprise, surprise guest. I've got Adam Sandler on the line. <laughs> and Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of weird voices. It should be do be do. Oh, man. My Scooby Doo and Adam Sandler are the same. Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> well, I think, like, like isn't it, you guys know better than me, but it is this one of the things I wrote down in my notes was that um, not knowing Philip Seymour Hoffman's filmography like you guys do, obviously, this seemed to be a departure for him um, from the standpoint of I, I was just thinking about the stuff I knew from him earlier than this movie. And he's playing like this, like, slimy, sort of like, you know, quasi mob uddling guy who's running like a legit mattress firm but sort of like this weird uh ozarks like redneck bad guy gang or something you know i i don't know i don't even know like thinking about the guys <laughs> that beats up on the street and like they all look like they're like like inbred guys or something you know um and that's part of his crew it's just i i that was one of my the things that struck me about his performance was i was like wow i i, I don't i can't think of too many times i've seen him play this guy I mean, he's great it's that like that cia agent thing does the thing he's done a couple of times where he's playing the cia agent who's just like kind of like like in um um charlie wilson's war yes thank you you know, like like he's great at that. Um, in this, I just I just can't think of too many times off the top of my head where I saw him playing this kind of, I guess, violent, you know, thuggish kind of guy. Although the funny thing is, he actually isn't violent because in the end, <laughs> what's so bizarre is, and I don't want to jump too far, and we're going to talk about that specifically. But it's just I just thought it was like, it's an amazing piece of like writing, directing, acting, everything, how yeah. it sort of transpires. Because <laughs> I, you know, watching it again after all these years, it's like I, I, I had something else and I, I didn't remember that specifically. And I was really shocked to see how that sort of played out. And, but like I said, like he just, he has this bravado and machismo about his character that I, I, for a while, I couldn't remember before that him being that. 
in a movie. He definitely pl- has played, you know, in like what we've covered so far, he's played his jerk, you know, jerk roles. His like, jerk roles are usually like sophisticated jerk, though. Yeah, and then he's played, he's been like a bad guy in like a stupid film like, you know, like Montana, technically. Or... Um, but he was, he was still like highbrow. Yeah. I would almost say this is like close to, he's just like a jerk and it's a, such a short scene. But like his... Just the way his character acts in Hard Eight at the yeah, craps that's table. the one I was gonna say. Mm. You know, like yeah. I mean, it, it's just just that the the outspokenness, like just telling Barry, like when they're talking on the phone, to like shut the fuck up right away. <laughs> like it just har- harkens harkens back to him being like, "Come on, old timer," just like that ta- that taunting. But yeah, this is definitely the most like that he's been a force, like a threat, like to be reckoned with, like a threatening wise. Like the next one that I can that then comes to mind is up in, like, when he's, like, a bad guy in, like, Mission Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, in Mission Impossible 3. Um, but, yeah, no, so that that really is, it's a small, like, I don't know what the total, maybe, like, six, seven minutes total he's in this movie. Uh, but it's just, I mean, it's a great character, and he just handles it with, just like you know precise execution i think yeah definitely yeah i'm just waiting for joe pesci to call him <laughs> at some point during the film you know yeah. <laughs> tell him like, how's the, like hey asshole how's the business going you know like what's going on i heard this guy barry egan guy's giving you proud you know that kind of thing but... is taking every ounce of me not to do a pesci right now just like you know <laughs> but i'm not here to amuse you guys Ooh, uh, <laughs> that is very true. So, so not a big nice. cast. This isn't like a Boogie Nights or Magnolia cast here. No, I mean we do, we do get my my man Luis Guzman again. Yeah, so that's this is the third time he's been in a PT. I think this is his last time he was in a PT Anderson movie. But he was in Boogie Nights and Magnolia. We've got like we said a- uh, Adam Sandler clearly, Emily Watson as Lena. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Dr- Dean Trumbull—that's just a great name. And then I don't know how I don't. Know, do you guys know how to pronounce this actress's name? The uh, Mary Lynn Rushkub. Ra- Rush- I don't know how to. Wait, who is she? She's she's the sister Elizabeth, like the only the the. I know he's got seven sisters, but the one that like introduces him to. Oh yeah, yeah, I uh, like her. To Lena, yeah, she's like I, you know, like even on like. It's always sunny episodes. She's just an actress that's been in like everything. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, a little fun fact about her, briefly, uh, is that she was dating John Bryan, who has done like the music for before he switch o- switches over again to uh, Johnny Greenwood, uh, P.T. Anderson. That is doing music for his movies. So John Bryan has done the music for Boogie Nights, Magnolia, and now Punch Drunk Love. And they were dating, but they broke up, and he had to score the mu- music for it, just like looking at her face all the time. That's awkward. <laughs> and then and then he asked Fiona Apple, who did music on Magnolia, to help him out and like write some original songs. And when she was doing that, her, she and P.T. Anderson broke up. <laughs> it's just like a movie about like you know a newfound love and romance, and you have all these breaks going on during it, <laughs> ah, which I found amusing. I love you. There's not really, I mean, anyone else that you know, as far as that, those are those are our main characters. Yeah, and, and again, we open with this uh, piano, right? Kind of that that whole thing. What's not a piano? What is it again? A harmonium. A harmonium. Yes. Yeah, I mean, what a, you know, again, so there's no title sequence, 
and it just starts out with Barry alone, like, in a corner at a desk, in a blue suit, a blue wall behind him, a gray floor, so, like, all these cold colors, and even when he goes outside, like, the daylight, very blue, but then a, uh, what, a red Jeep crashes and rolls by, and then a red van drops off the harmonium. This is a very odd, to, again, just to go with this odd motif and this these things that might scare away your normal I, audience... It's a very odd beginning to this movie. What do you guys think? As far? I mean, they're just very much like, this is our color scheme, These, this is the music that's going on, this is the audio, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. It was just, like, awesome in a weird way. I remember feeling that the first time I saw it, and then I, watching it again, I mean, there's this car, well, it starts off like he's on the phone, yeah, and he's complaining, or he's, yeah, I feel like he's complaining about some sort of water or some shipment or something he's waiting for, and then it's this long shot where he just kind of, like, walks outside, and there's this, like, really beautiful dolly move out to the street, and there's, like, this clanging of the wind, and you hear this, like, kind of, like, almost, like, horror-esque, like, wind sound. Then like there's like there's that there's like this beat of like nothing yeah and then the car like blows up like because it doesn't hit anything it just like it's very surreal honestly like I I feel like there's like a surrealist element yeah to the movie in general but definitely to that sequence because none of it makes any sense at all like it's like there's a car accident and then following the car accident is this like cab who apparently was like following the car that blew like. Trip, uh, flips over a thousand times and then instead of worrying about that the guy pulls out and some guy puts the harmonium on the street and then he closes the door really quickly and tries to <laughs> it's like i mean it's farce like yeah. like at that point it's like you're i guess it to me you're i i just i felt like i was like okay so just I, i'm not gonna go into this sort of expecting reality per se and i shouldn't like you know what I mean? And it's it's kind of it's kind of funny the way you're describing it, Colin, because I I watched this interview because this uh, film uh, played at uh, the you know Cannes Festival and act P T Anderson ended up winning uh, best director and it was nominated for the Palme d'Or, um, and so there was a lot, a lot of great interviews that they did in France uh, for this, and I just love this one simple thing that. Uh, Philip Zimmer Hoffman said and he said it's a dream movie and I'm the nightmare <laughs> and so I just thought like that is just kind of like a, I mean that's just a cool thing to say <laughs> to begin with as like especially the the bad guy in the movie but th- just to keep it away even from like hi- hi- like his part in it as being quote unquote the nightmare like Barry's nightmare but it is it's very it is dreamlike like you said it's like out of nowhere that this car like I guess the tire blows out but it like flips and rolls and then it's just a weird you know uh like odd events going on to just start off this movie so yeah it just totally puts you in this place that you're just like okay like i'm i guess I'm, i should be ready for anything but which is just something i i, I mean pt anderson does a lot he did it with magnolia especially as well but so. I, I think it really works here because it puts you in a place where you can somehow relate to this character's weird idiosyncrasies like to me it's like representative of kind of like even his perception you know like he doesn't see the world in black and white you know what i'm saying like it, it it's it it got my mood right for what i was the anxiety i was going to experience <laughs> with him yeah absolutely well it is it is a short film but he just 
is excellent as far as just meeting our characters and just setting the plot right away. Because it was Colin, actually. He's on the phone, and he's looking into the whole, like, the subplot of this. It's actually based off of a, a true story on, like, redeeming uh, frequent flyer miles. So that was the call he was making in the beginning of the film. So oh, that's right, yeah. That subplot. <laughs> and mm. so it, it's, like, healthy choice food brands have like a, a, just a great deal that when you buy it you get 500 f- frequent flyer miles or something right that's and so if he buys three i think the, the long story short is that if he buys in his head he's like if i buy three thousand dollars worth of and ends up being the pudding packs because they're the best deal at 25 cents a piece and they each have a barcode that then he gets a, a million yeah. flyer miles that he'll be able obviously <laughs> to fly anywhere for hey, that, that's like life. that's a backdrop of the film that that again is underrated in a way it's like this this notion that there's this because so, I love that character so much Bo- both him and Philip Seymour Hoffman being sort of the villain they're both mm-hmm. just so they, they take that character and put him on end like put them on the end and it's like because he's in the movie he's like he's he's he is like he's like seems to be a successful businessman he's really smart he he's like has these schemes but they're like he has this sort of i i wouldn't say autistic but it's like this like asperger's or some mild level of something like that where his he can't really relate to people well but he understands numbers and he, he's able to sort of like function in in life and and not only function but be successful you know and and i i just i i just really enjoyed that and i i thought it was you know yeah just a fun character to watch but then i forgot like how much precision he has involved in in all those things that is these little like frequent fire flyer you know things he has going and he's he's running that business whatever exactly that business is i don't i didn't really get at all but yeah yeah. (laughs) these like uh plungers with different handles on them some are for like hotels so one of them i saw they don't talk about it but had a bride and groom on top of it really oh, yeah <laughs> i didn't catch that yeah it's just like in the background when he's talking to uh luis guzman's character's name is lance when he when his right hand man lance i even love at one point you know because we, we his name's lance yeah it's lance yeah. <laughs> okay I, I, I i love i love it, you know we, we mentioned the blue suit which he wears this whole time he even when he goes to Hawaii, he does not bring any like luggage with him. He just wears this blue suit. To go a little bit more into Barry's character, he definitely—I mean, he's de- he's the exact opposite of Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, Dean Trumbull's character. Talk about De- Dean has all the confidence in the world, and just you know is a very uh, just that bravado that you know Adam Sandler just does that really well, soft spoken to then obviously one of the biggest like shouters of all time <laughs> but and uh, the, you know my, my my thought on that is like philip seymour like one of arguably the most underused actor slash characters in in i would say movie history <laughs> in my opinion because like <laughs> wow. like you said he's on screen for six minutes yeah he Every time he's on screen, and I remember this when I first saw it too. By the way, is I remember telling, like, talking to my brother and others, like, I'm not a flaw of the movie, and maybe it's part of it. The, t- the running time, um, the movie could have stood for another 15 minutes. Mainly, mm-hmm. mainly Trump, you know, Dean Trumbull, being a tad bit more involved because 
like I said, like we, we see really he's, he's in phone conversations and he's in one confrontational scene with him and that's it. And it's like every time he's on screen and I'm in a safe place and saying this, but <laughs> it's like he, Hoffman's role in that, like he lights up the screen and, and you are, you're, you're for me at least I'm like, I'm like, man, I, and when you told me there was a, sh- like a, a secondary video project involved in this i really was like i was like oh my god tell me they did like a 15 minute short film with dean trumbull which it wasn't it was obviously just a commercial but like like i really i thought i thought what you were going to send me was like this like 15 minute short that like phillips uh that pt oh i wish you know and they (laughs) were just shooting and they're like oh i'm just gonna shoot a bunch of you at this mattress place and then release it as a short with the dvd um because it is. I mean, it, it, it's it's such an explosive performance, and he is. He's the the villain in a way, and and that that scene where they finally converge. I mean, I want like uh, you know a thirty minute version of that. <laughs> it was so such a joy to watch, and like all the mannerisms and like the dead space where they're just no one saying anything. They're just staring at each other. It's like unbelievable. Oh, it's just fa- it's fantastic. Oh yeah, that where, that's where it it's gets, just awesome. Yeah, where it leads to. I mean, we we, I mean, bef- before we meet Philip Seymour Hoffman, we you know we meet the character of Lena, and she's she actually shows up. Well, we find out that she went there on purpose. So the whole thing is that Barry has, as I said, like seven sisters. Yeah, seven sisters. Kyle, did you expect at least one of those sisters to be played by Adam Sandler himself and Greg? <laughs> If Adam if Adam Sandler directed this, that would <laughs> they all would have been played by Adam Sandler in drag. <laughs> Kyle, you know I love movies with sisters. Yeah, but these but sisters, these sisters are, are evil. Yeah, I mean, so none of these women are classically trained actors. I guess you know once they were in this film, they were considered actors. But they—that's great. Yeah, so they just had a re- had a real vibe to it. I mean, we all have siblings and i mean i'm i'm the only one with a uh, a sister and not that she ever acted like any of these women but maybe she it, if she had six others she would have teamed up with you yeah well that's definitely you. that that plays a huge part into like Barry's insecurities they come in and they're already talking before he gets there i mean they call oh, multiple yeah. times at work just thinking he's doing nothing at work and just <laughs> interrupting him and telling him they better come to this party and then when he shows up they're already talking about how they used to call him gay boy all the time <laughs> i know this isn't really like a party but nobody shoots a party like pt anderson Oh yeah, just all those shots of like, I mean the shot of even just uh, dollying outside and showing all those windows when he punches and kicks them. I mean he takes on like B- Barry definitely has like some superhuman strength at some points in this movie. His anger is like another character in the movie. I I feel because it's like he's there are so many times during during those scenes where you're like even like I said even that that scene we'll get to later but the, with him and P, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman later but in that scene like you said I, I remember rewatching it and there's a shot where he stand he comes in like you guys said and he, they call him gay boy and like they're saying all this horrible stuff and then he comes to the kitchen and like they're they're all like just all firing at him at once and then yeah. he there's a shot where he's standing next to that um the actress you mentioned a moment ago we, we can't pronounce her last name but they're standing next to each other the one that introduces him to his love interest later and emily watson and they're they're standing and behind him and i, I i'm assuming this had to be for a reason but he's standing in front of like a like an armoire or some 
I'm not that great with my mom works in furniture, so I should know, but I don't. Um, It's like, it's like a big cabinet type thing, but it's all glass and plates, but they're all like displayed plates. They're not stacked. They're like, and I'm sitting there the whole time. Like the the music's like building up with this drumming and all this weird stuff going on. And and they're talking all this trash towards him. And I'm literally going like, he's going to turn and smash the crap out of that thing. And obviously he doesn't. He just, he destroys the windows. But that's what, that's to me, that's why it is. It's like his his psyche is like a third character, just another additional character beyond his character. Because like the whole time for me, I'm like going like, oh my god, he's gonna kill. He's just gonna pound the crap out of that person. Oh my god, he's gonna pound the table. Like he's at dinner with Emily Watson, and I'm going, he's gonna just throw the table over. He doesn't. He goes in the bathroom and destroys it. He, he always does explode, but he does it in to- at times in ways you're not really expecting. So it's like this constant level of like build, 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 explosion, build, 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 explosion. That's also why I think that scene uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman later works so well because that it doesn't actually happen. <laughs> so you're sort of like waiting. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I think the big reason for that is that he says, I have a love in my life. So he really didn't have a love in his life before. I mean, it is a very, it's a romantic movie. The music in this movie, there's that like very traditional, it makes me think of like almost like Casablanca, like Breakfast at Tiffany's, like just beautiful, like uh, mel- like love melody that plays throughout this, especially when all those colors start like scheming on the screen. And when they and whenever like he's in Lena's like embrace, and again that's where it plays with these colors. She's always wearing red, so different you know different outfits. He's always wearing the same one, and and mind you, the characters like his sisters are like, why are you wearing that suit? You know, everyone people comment on the suit. But Spe- speaking of colors, I think in the next scene at the supermarket, like that's one for me one of the prettiest just visuals I've seen in, in, in film history for me. I mean, I, my father owned supermarkets. I spent a lot of time in supermarkets. Boy, we're talking about all of our parents' trades. (laughs) (laughs) That's what this podcast is really about. Exactly. (laughs) No, but just like the lighting there, like that, intense supermarket lighting yeah and, and expanding on what you guys are saying like there, there was the, the infamous i guess when he says shut the fuck up conversation on a phone mm-hmm. that scene i i it struck me um and and i have to be perfectly honest and and throw it out there that i watched this the last time i watched it was on a tablet so you know there's that but um <laughs> watching it again no, and I, I'm I'm personally ashamed as a cinematographer to say that out loud. But um, but you know, Tar- in Tarantino's going to knock on your door right now. Oh, I know, totally. Or da- uh, uh, um, David Lynch is going to come and kick me in the nuts. But um, <laughs> but like he's on the phone in a, in the mattress center or whatever the mattress store, and like you said, it's like he's 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 up. The shot is this low angle shot, and he's he's. Philip Seymour Hoffman's on the phone and it kind of add that the low angle kind of adds this sort of like the mafia boss sort of like the the the, yeah, the macho the, the guy, powerful, the guy in charge. Yeah. but behind him it's all glass because the front exterior is like that that classic strip mall vibe so it's all glass but you see the reflections of all the fluorescent banks on the ceiling inside the mattress store mm-hmm. behind him and it creates this almost like Death Star like feel now I'm not saying that, that was on purpose or that's that was it might be but it definitely had this like almost star wars because it's black it's nighttime so really you don't see much out you don't and it's low angle so it's all the sky 
um and and you just see these like these lines of fluorescent reflection behind him in the yeah. window and i just i, I was like that's such a great shot you know as he was saying like shut the fuck up shut the fuck up you know which is like i was like what a great shot like and and like you said but but that's the thing like that's a movie that you know you would talk to people and you know cinematographers or you talk to people that whatever even film editors whatever and, and you'd be like oh yeah and it's a really amazingly shot movie and i just think nine out of ten people would be like oh really i don't know okay I guess you know, but in watching it again, it 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 is. I mean, and you said, like Kyle, you said it was an amazing thing, which I totally agree. It is. It's, it's breakfast at Tiffany's. Like he's definitely like he's not running away from 1960s romantic movies. You know, Roman Holiday. Like he, I think it's like he he wanted to sort of like have this weird fusion yeah. film where he's incorporating like all these techniques from those classic movies Audrey Hepburn and then it's like but it's not Audrey Hepburn it's Adam Sandler you know it's like yeah that's, yeah. that's so true <laughs> for sure yeah. I want to really bring in this phone sex um, angle so in last week's film we had Love Liza where he rips a phone book now we have him using you know the phone again for phone sex this is like his his thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> overlaying themes in his movies yeah i mean he like the earliest scene um we have with him is that this woman georgia that adam sandler speaks to and it's very like that and they call him a pervert multiple times to get like you know a rise out of adam sandler uh but he's very innocent there is a childish like i don't know i don't know vibe to like even his relationship with Lena in this movie. He's just, he's lonely, and that's why he's making this call. He was talking to his brother-in-law about ta- just talking to somebody about his problems, talking to a therapist. So he just happens to see this article when he was clipping out coupons for the healthy choice. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and it goes south. I mean, I guess it doesn't go south during the conversation, but it's, it's the next morning when he really... Uh, we really start to see the sinister scheme behind it. Yeah, and so the first scene we have with Phil Hoffman again, he's so they're in Utah, these people. Yeah, um, like Provo or something. Yeah, and he's just he's he's just like watching a sound check of a band or something, and he's just very cut and dry, and just says, "Let's see what this big boy, you know, like business is all about," because Adam Sandler kind of lies, and so I mean, he's not lying, but he just. You no, know, I mean, the, the woman, Georgia, asks him for money the next day. He, he says no, that he can't afford it, and then it's it's a red flag, because I think, like, she thought she was baiting, obviously, a much richer man. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he owns his own business uh, and is successful, but it's not, you know, he's still, you know... He's, he sells modestly. plungers. Yeah, exactly. You know, novelty plungers. <laughs> novelty plungers. That's what I'm going to get into next. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's, uh, and then we don't see Philip Seymour Hoffman till towards the end of the movie, but and then it's kind of it like mellows out for a little while, right? The threats, and we get to focus on him and Lena as far as their relationship. Yeah, goes. and they have a great dynamic, and what, they're in two more films together, right? They're in yes, Red Dragon, Red Dragon and, and Schenectady, Schenectady, New York. So that's pretty. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that like there's it's such a strange context to 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 what exactly philip seymour hoffman is and does in this film because like you said it's like he does he starts out he's doing a sound check of <laughs> is he the producer like the manager of the band like is you know what i mean or does he own the club yeah. I, I don't know 
and so that that always was vague to me. That's why I I kept coming back to this like this real low level sort of like quasi mafia. Like like he's not even in the mafia. He's just like he's like works with them and he makes a little bit of money on the side do working for them or doing little odd jobs. But he's definitely like a projection because like you said, he says he's like send send the boys or whatever, send the guys to go check on this. It's like, what are they checking on? This is like this two-bit nobody guy. Yeah, exactly. Like it, 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 they, A lot of, that's what I'm saying, There's, it's definitely like, I mean, I, I think you could easily make an argument it's a surrealist film to some extent because like there's no context to a lot of behaviors happening because like I said, like, so he's going to expel resources, send these guys to, because where does the movie's LA, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna right, they're yeah. gonna go from Utah to LA, which isn't actually that far. But like they're driving over there to muscle this guy who has very limited resources is probably I would say comes off as like kind of slow on the phone. Um, it just seems to be such a strange endeavor <laughs> to be undertaking. You know, yeah. in a in a scenario where they're obviously like they have an ad out, they're probably been doing this to other people. You know, they yeah. probably have a revenue stream of like people they've screwed over on on the phone sex thing. So it's just it's you know what I mean. It's like this weird like he takes a an interest in finding out about this Barry guy, and and to the all going all the way to the extent of like they come in and physically have a physical altercation to to sort of like be the muscle in this you know and it's like yeah they pretty it's much like they if you think about it like what is happening you know yeah i mean they pretty much they like hold him up and like have him go to an atm where the maximum amount he can take out is five hundred dollars and it's not really said at this point what else they would do they obviously again they threaten him and say we know where you live but then we just have this time where we get to see the growth in the relationship between Lena and Barry, but then he makes this phone call to the phone sex worker, Georgia, saying, I don't want to be bothered anymore. He, got, he, get, he gets this confidence. He even asks for his money back and says he's on vacation, yeah. but he'll be home, and you know they know how to contact him. So when he and Lena return from Hawaii... All of a sudden, we get this not as crazy of a crash as the beginning of the film, but a very unexpected. This is this quiet shot inside of the garage and the door opening and the lights changing to the temperature of inside and outside. And we see the car pull up and then it gets, what, sideswiped by the pickup truck with the four brothers in it? Yeah. Yeah. And this is where he has, like, that superhuman, like, strength. I mean, he just grabs, like, punches the first guy, then grabs a crowbar, hits two other guys, and then, like, threatens the one guy and just hands him the crowbar back. And, you know, because at that moment, he's in love and she was hurt. She was bleeding from the head. Yeah, definitely a scary moment. Yeah, and then we finally get to him, you know, he unfortunately, uh, not in the, I mean, he goes and he apologizes later on, but he leaves her at the hospital, and he goes, for some reason, I guess back to his warehouse place and he calls up and he threatens uh dean trumbull so might as well we've been alluding to it and talking about it play the clip sounds like a plan yeah this is dean hey it's me this guy from la barry egan he's calling on the other line he's saying all this stuff he wants to talk to a supervisor or whatever what'd you say nothing I put him through. no 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 this is bad Something shut up happen. will you shut up Okay, sexy. I'm gonna connect you with my supervisor now. You're in trouble, honey. Yeah, who's this? Hello, sir. My name's Barry Egan. I called your service yeah, the why other don't night. You shut the fuck up. Oh, what's that? 
I said, calm down and shut the fuck up. What's the problem? The problem is, if you give me a chance to explain, one of your employees, that girl who I was just speaking with, has been threatening me, and four blonde gentlemen just attacked me and smashed my car and hurt my girl. All right, go fuck yourself. That shit has nothing to do with me. All right, I run a legitimate business here. Listen to me. What's your name, sir? Answer me! What's your name, asshole? I'm Barry Egan! How do I know? You can be anybody, You're a bad head. person. You have no right taking people's confidence in your service. You understand me, sir? You're sick. No, no, no. Shut up! Shut the fuck you have up! You no right to take Shut up! Will you shut up? Shut up! Shut, 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 shut up! Shut up! Now! Are you threatening me, dick? Aren't you? You go fuck yourself! Oi! Fuck! Did you just say go fuck myself? Yes, I did. That wasn't good! You're dead! That scene, I mean, that is a very famous scene that plays you know we 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 use it yeah we use it in our intro of the shut shut you know shut (laughs) up i i love how i love how it's a word i rarely use flabbergasted (laughs) like philip seymour hoffman is like incredulous that this guy is calling him back and he does like he tells him calm down shut the fuck up (laughs) like in that droll philip seymour hoffman and I, I just don't think, I mean, maybe he's never been in this, you know, he probably deals with a lot of people that are ashamed of calling for the phone's, you know, sex line and everything like that. And he, they extort him and they get their scenario and then, the, you know, they get their money, whatever they are looking for, and they move on. But this guy is just, I mean, he's, you know, Dean is, uh, it like, I don't know, like, incredulous to, as far as uh, Barry calling him up and this whole scenario. He doesn't want to be fucked with, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Colin, what do, you, what do you think about this scene? Am I correct in that he calls... He calls the girl first, and then she... Yes, he's correct. Like, he's yeah, like, who's incorrect. your boss or something, right? Doesn't he say, like, like who's your boss or, like... Yeah, I want to speak to the manager. I want to speak to... Yeah. And and she it's, okay. and she keeps up the facade of like the whole like all right sexy you know but yeah you're right she he calls her and she goes into Phil, you know and talks to Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah and that was that's yeah so that scene is that's the Death Star scene mm-hmm. I was referring to earlier is like yeah that's that shot so I see all those lights and there's definitely like at this point I feel like there you know the intention here is to to create uh. I don't know if I'd say evil, but like a very nefarious, like scary kind of bad guy in, in Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, because like, you're, you're right. It's like he, his reaction to it is, is a little bit like he, he escalates, so to speak of a popular term now. Um, he escalates the, the situation because like, in essence, like at that point, like Barry's like going a little bonkers, but like, aren't you like trained customer service or whatever you want to call it? I know this is a little atypical, but like he's sort of trained to be like, yeah, okay, sir. So, all right, let's talk about what, what are you upset about? You know, like, like, and it's like instead he's like the contrary it's like no i'm gonna dominate you i, I don't take shit from anybody and i definitely uh, you know i'm not gonna deal with your crap and and yeah. and i'm gonna keep controlling the situation and i'm gonna you know stay in control and and 
and that's why I feel like that's sort of like the angle of the whole scene. It's like this this idea, and the shots definitely are, are holding true to that the way they're shot and everything. Because I, I, if I remember correctly, um, Barry's shots are like really close ups of him kind of on the phone getting more and more pissed off and it's kind of like he's hunching over his desk like at the side of his desk and he's like he's like what what'd you say and there's a lot of that by the way and the other thing i really liked about the writing i would i guess it's writing yeah. it would be the actors came to it i'm not sure but like they, they keep saying to each other like they're like each time the other says like fuck you or whatever yeah. it's like when the other goes he's like what'd you say <laughs> yeah, say that you, again <laughs> yeah did like, you just tell me to fuck myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's amazing because what refresh my memory because the last line I feel like is something like Hoffman goes he's like he's because like, he says he's like fuck go fuck yourself I think yeah Adam Sandler says it to him mm-hmm. and he goes you're dead yeah you're yeah dead. He goes yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's big, like, big, mis- big mistake you're dead. <laughs> But it's like, that's again like like uh, what is he like is he Joe Pesci like that's where I keep coming back to is like it's like because he's like he's like that's Joe Pesci like you 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 alluded to earlier it's like am I funny what, am I a clown you know it's like where does that scene go like it goes to murder like yeah. he's crazy and it's like you never know so at this point all we know is this guy calls up and he's like pissed off because this girl took his money and he's getting screwed he calls him and like he first tells him to shut the fuck up i guess is thinking that somehow some way barry's just gonna be like oh you're right sir i'll shut the fuck up please tell me well how to rectify the situation because that's the way he permits like philip philip simmerhoffen's character dean that's the way he pr- projects the rest of the scene but to the end when he's like now he's like has it seemingly has been expecting to be treated with respect when he started it off yeah like no respect at all for barry and at the end like i said he's like he he's like somehow barry crossed the line as he said Go fuck yourself. It's like, that was it. That was like, that yeah. was the line. You crossed the line. You're going to die now, motherfucker. You know, it's like, I was just like, wow. Like, oh, but it's so fucking surreal and bizarre. Somehow works, by the way, which I just wanted to say this in, it might not be the best place for it, but like thinking about this movie as a whole, the movie actually shouldn't have worked in the context <laughs> all right, all of right. I can, yeah. none of the movie. And I wonder, like, I wonder if you if you had a drink if you were having drinks with with well philip simmerhoffman's unfortunately gone but yeah. let's say you went back 10 years and you had a drink with the with our dream scenario right and you went back and you had a drink with him and and pt anderson and fine adam sandler can be there it's not important but the two of them <laughs> and you were like you're like tell me the truth like like did you did you really think this movie was gonna work at all on any level? I, I just believe he'd be like when I wrote it, I, I was like, it'd be funny to make an Adam Sandler movie and it'd be funny to make like sort of like flip the Adam Sandler universe on its head and but as I wrote it and as I start shooting, I probably imagined to myself like this is I don't know what this is because <laughs> I just but it works. It works on every level. Yeah, you said it. Like, is it is it surrealist? I mean, it's de- is it experimental? I mean, I guess we can just say P.T. Anderson making the impossible possible. You know, I don't, like not to try to put a bow tie on that or wrap it up. Yeah, but that's that's just. I mean, the man just. Uh, it's yeah. I don't know how this movie works, and it did, and it didn't for some people, but it does. But you know, in the end, it is like it's a great film. 
Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it is. It, it, it's a great film. And I know, like, not everyone's a fan of it, but I think a lot of the people who aren't fans of it are people who are just not familiar with uh, either P.T. Anderson's work or... Again, I think a lot of people who didn't like it were the people who went in thinking they were seeing an Adam Sandler film. Yeah. That's probably why it didn't recoup its money, you know? Yes, yeah. And I... I... I'm one of my favorite filmmakers is Gus Van Sant, and and I'm the first to to totally readily admit when I meet people who hate him and hate his movies, I go I go yeah yeah I get it I get it um, you know I I know it's an acquired taste and it's not a lot of his later work especially is not the greatest you know it's it's definitely avant garde and whatever you want to call it, um but I feel like with this movie like it it is sort of avant garde and it's definitely like like an art movie and it's 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 different but i feel like it also toes that line between it's still very entertaining and compelling like you know what i mean it it, it's it's not like uh um elephant or something where you're watching a movie and like i love it but i can i totally respect i'm my best friend one of my best friends saw it and wanted to punch the screen i i respect (laughs) that that response to that movie (laughs) but i can't imagine like someone i could get someone watching this like like you had said like about um um wanting to see billy madison too and going in this movie and be like, what the fuck? What is this? You know, I respect that, but I but I can't I still think that person probably walked to him and was like, Yeah, that wasn't too bad. It's just it wasn't Billy Madison too. Yeah, I mean You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and something I think that helps with this film, I mean, we, we you said it could have been like fifteen minutes longer, especially just to have a little bit more of the character of Dean Trumbull in it, but the length definitely helps when you make you know, the short length I should say helps when you make a movie like this you know again to go back to his last film magnolia where pt anderson later on recently admitted that he would have like even cut some characters out of the movie because he thought it was too long i mean the movie's twice as long as this one yeah but that's a movie where frogs end up falling from the sky (laughs) but this this is still more uh experimental i guess than than magnolia but i think i think people if if it was two two and a half hours long it would have been liked even less no but i I agree i agree with you colin we could have used 15 more minutes if they were focused on hoffman's character i mean i read somewhere that kyle correct me if i'm wrong that he like really wanted to stick to the 90 minute thing like that was there was like no budging with himself on that. I have not read that, but I mean, that, again, that's something I believe because that's what he wanted to do after Boogie Nights, and then after making a three-hour and eight-minute movie of Magnolia, I could, I could definitely, I mean, I believe that in a second that he would then be like, no, there's no way I'm keeping, I'm proving to myself I don't need that much time to create a fulfilling story, which is it. This is a, like a fulfilling. You start with the most opposite like images in a way a man a wide shot of a man alone in a room and then the end shot of this movie is pretty much like a close-up of a loving embrace of the woman in his life yeah after the hero moment after the hero moment which hey let's play that clip fuck you you're a pervert think you can be a pervert and not pay for it You call the phone second. Shut up. I didn't do anything. I'm a nice man. I mind my own business. So you tell me that's that. 
before I beat the hell from you. I have so much strength in me, you have no idea. I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. I would say that's that, Mattress Man. You came all the way from L.A. to tell me this. Yes, I did. Tell the cops? No. All right. That's that. Like hero form silhouette, like what? So Phillips and Robin's getting his hair cut. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's something. That's something you can't. That, that's something you can't tell when you're just hearing the audio of this scene. No, but... um, you know th- <laughs> that he's just in this chair, hair wet. He's wearing like the the you know the whatever that's called schmock or whatever uh, <laughs> smock. And th- is Georgia cutting his hair? Who's that? Or is his assistant? I don't know who that was. Um, but. All of a sudden, he just realizes <laughs> that Barry is standing in the doorway. And there's a lot of great silhouettes in this movie. Yeah. One one being in Hawaii when he and uh, and Emily Watson's character uh, run at one another. And then and the beach is in the background, just beautiful silhouette. And then there's like this one, him standing in the doorway. And then the two of these guys coming to that very Western, like let's not even call it superhero because Westerns were before them, just this standoff moment of just, like, pretty much, like, in one another's, you know, like, some space in between them, but just in one another's faces. And just the tension, that, like, anxiety, that agita we've been having this whole time. We're like, what the yeah, because you think, I mean, honestly, I didn't remember how this movie ended exactly, and I thought he was going to punch him in the face. Because, I mean... And, yeah, or at least, like, grab him by, like, the collar or something. Like, a very... Because we've got one, a very verbally, physically threatening person. And then Barry, between this hammer story of his childhood, the punching of the windows, and then the uh, the bathroom scene, and then taking on those, like, four guys by himself. You know, we're just expecting this moment of him, like, almost like, I'm going to see him, like, pick Philip Seymour Hoffman over his head and, like, throw him at the woman that was cutting his hair or something. Yeah. But, Colin, like you said, that's the brilliance of this scene. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing, and, and like I said, it's, like, it's such a great arc, too. And, and also that, I don't know if you guys remember the the, 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 the shot, so it's, like, he's cutting his hair. Mm-hmm. I If I recall correctly, you don't see Barry until this reveal, but he's cutting his hair, and then they, he cuts to a shot, a dolly behind Hoffman's head. It's kind of like a Hoffman's kind of almost in like a medium close-up yeah. foreground yeah. area. And it like dolly. So 
Barry's like in the doorway about 40 feet away and you just, it's on him, but over like an over the shoulder shot, I guess. And then it dollies past his head. Barry disappears behind his head for a second. Yeah. And then he's revealed again. And then Hoffman does this like little move in his chair, like kind of like, the, it's like the moment he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to accept the challenge or whatever. And he kind of like faces. Yeah, you just, you hear the wah, wah, wah. Like yeah. Just going on. right. Yeah. And it's just like this moment. And then like, it's, I, I, if I remember correctly, Barry then kind of like starts to come at him. He then gets out of his chair real fast. And like you said, they both in, in this kind of movement shot, they both kind of collide yeah. into a, into a, like a tight two shot. And like you said, you're waiting, you're like, holy crap, they're going to like go. It's going to be this epic, like punch scene and they're going to battle and everything. And really they just stand there sort of quietly talking to each other for the next, like for the, really the rest of the scene. And it's amazing. And then the best part is like, so the final moment of it is like he, Barry walks away and he, oh crap. Well, you guys probably know. I can't remember what he says, but I just, it's really about Philip Seymour Hoffman's reaction. Cause Barry tells him like, I'm going to kick your ass. It's something like he's like expresses, like I'm going to be violent. And Hoffman goes, he goes, no, no, we're done. And he walks away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he leaves. So, yeah, he says, uh, you tell the cops. Like, that's what he's worried about. Yes. Like, at, the, at that point. And then they just come to, it's just like, okay, this guy came. I mean, Adam Sandler has that, you know, the great line of, like, I've got a love in my life now, and that makes me more powerful. He almost, he has, like, an Obi-Wan to go back to Star Wars, your Death Star scene. This is Obi-Wan at the Death Star. Like, I've become more powerful than you've ever imagined, Darth. And <laughs> And that's what... Dean sees, and then he just goes to the next step of covering his own ass of, did you tell the cops? And they, they come to a truce. I'm not going to bother you anymore. It, like At this point, Barry doesn't even care about getting his money back. He doesn't bring that up like he did on the phone call. He's just like, I've got a woman. I'm protecting her. I love her. And then they, he leaves. And like he said, then Dean just goes, yeah, get out of here. You know, there's some customers in the store because it's daytime. Yeah, get out of here, you pervert. Yeah, he's got to have the last word. <laughs> I think, like you said, that's just like what the cowardice that of then Dean, like, okay, all right, all right, you know, like. Well, I, th- I think he challenges him and he says, no, it's over, or something. Like, he's just like, yeah. it's. No, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre. Like, in watching it again, I was like, it's bizarre, but like I said, it works. And it, it, in if I, like, you know what it is? I went to film school. So, like, I think about it in the context of, like, you brought that script in and even brought actors in and played that. I know the screenwriting teacher. The teacher would go, like, no, no, no. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why is he, like, he's so bravado, he's so strong, and he's just going to, like, at the end just throw down that, no, it's over. I'm not, I'm not going any further with yeah. it. You know, it's just like, it, but it works on every level. And I know, I love it. It's a testament to the acting, you know, because, like, like, to make that work is, I, I just think the script of this must have been really like, okay, oh my God, okay, let me think about how to make, like, work this and make this actually work as a, as a thing. But that last scene, it's like, it's, it's unbelievable to watch that. that, that and it is, it's, it is kind of like that superhero like, final battle, but it's all done through like, words, looks, and then, and then it's like you said, like, like yeah. Barry being, I guess, in this case, Superman, right? And, and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's um, Lex Luthor, it's like that final moment. It's like, 
well, Superman wins, but he doesn't like beat him up or like throw him in a jail cell. It's yeah, because Lex has no yeah. It's just like he's like <laughs> he wins because Lex goes no 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 I'm done I'm not <laughs> just like walks away. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's great. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, kids, there's a lesson to this. Don't act. You, can't, you don't have to end everything in uh, physical violence. Settle it with your words. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just if you're if you're you. using porno on your phone, this is how you settle it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you said it's a testament to the writing, like you know that again. You bring it to a professor, and this showdown doesn't come to like a physical act. I personally think the biggest moment for me is just kind of how like cool Lena is the whole time, like how accepting she is. Like we don't, you know, she doesn't have much of she doesn't have like character development really going on. She's just. Someone, like, we learn at one point, Barry, like, awkwardly asked when he's on the payphone in Hawaii about, like, some of her history, and we learn that she was married before, um, but she's just kind of very, you know, she has, like, a line here and there, but, I mean, the scene, like, after, after the showdown between Barry and Dean, he goes to her apart, oh, no, he goes and he picks up the harmonium, and, uh... And Lance is like, Barry, what's going on? And <laughs> like he grabs the harmonium. That was my horrible Luis Guzman. <laughs> that was Luis Guzman? I was like, what? <laughs> Barry, Barry, what's going on? Barry, what's going on? You know. Barry, what's going on? <laughs> I was just getting into the character. But he, he ta- I guess as, like a, as, a, as a gift and, to, and an apology, he brings it to her apartment. And you know she's like, you left me at the hospital. And he just pretty much totally opens up and is completely honest and says about how before he met her he called this sex line and those were the people and he needed to take care of it but now it's good because he loves her and he wanted to make sure she was going to be safe and if she could just wait six or eight more weeks he'll have <laughs> like the frequent flyer miles and he'll travel with her wherever i thought she might i thought she might just say no and close the door and that's how we would end like yeah but no it's just a complete she kisses him and then cut to as I said, the last shot of the movie is just in the warehouse, and she walks in, and he's just sitting at the harmonium and playing kind of like the th- little theme, and she goes up and you know kind of becomes the cape to his uniform and says, "So here we go." Yeah, I love that and, last line ending thing. Yeah, that's that's uh, you wrote this up, Colin, but it just again that's the Roman holiday of this. That's the old fashionedness of this, which weirdly plays with the rest of the stuff yeah no exactly and, and and like you said at its core it's a romantic comedy you know i i i don't know how much comedy is in the movie in general but and that's not an insult by the way that's just i i don't you know it's it's not the movie's not particularly funny i think the the comedy part would mainly be like just adam sandler being in it really in essence and there are some funny parts but but it's 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 a romantic movie in general i mean the the gestures he does and the lengths he goes to like profess his love for her and it's also like at the end of the day and kyle i think you said this about him being childlike is like you can't help but fall in love with him and care about him because he's like this he's a sweet guy he doesn't really seem to want to harm anybody or be a dick to anybody and it's like you know you want it's like any other movie right you want to you want to root for the you as a filmmaker you're hoping that the people root for the sort of the lead Mm -hmm. the person that you're sort of writing the whole film around and and i don't see anyone not rooting for him 
he has a couple uncomfortable moments where you're like, oh, like, is this guy a good guy? But in general, (laughs) yeah, yeah, and in general, so you land on that. Yeah, no, he's fine. He's a decent guy. He's just really strange and abnormal, but it's like he's he's a decent guy. But like you said, at that end and all the stuff that's happened throughout the film, it's like you're just what you want to walk away for from that movie is is that you're like you feel you're like oh happily ever after and and like you said that's the roman holiday that's the 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 basis in my opinion of the film you know and 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 that's punch drunk love that's what it is <laughs> like yeah. i've never i have you guys ever heard anyone say besides talking about this movie like punch drunk like punch drunk love what does that mean like i've heard it referred to like i don't know that wasn't. You have? Did, no. did you see there was other there was other proposed titles for this? Yeah, I did. They're really silly. <laughs> yeah, they're really stupid. Um, I'm surprised, like a, a student film, they would have named it. So here we go, like the last line of the movie or something. Um, but Punch Drunk Love, it's you know, P.T. Anderson. He's an oddball himself. And there's again, at, like the Cannes Film Festival, it's mostly him talking a little bit of Adam Sandler, unfortunately Philip Seymour Hoffman, in this clip that I found. Uh, he's not talking, but some he he P.T. Anderson talks about the title, and he's like, oh, it's an American phrase, and he's just like, you know, it's punch drunk, punch drunk love, or being punch drunk. It's just, you know, when you're feeling, and he just goes, when you're feeling punchy. <laughs> and so I don't know if it's something like real. Like he just and he just kind of has like this weird like little giggle, and he's just very like on the desk, like with his hand, like his arms crossed and his like head kind of in between his arms, and it's like a really. Uh, P. T. Anderson's kind of childlike at some points in his interviews. So if we don't know what it is, no, no, I mean, I mean, no, I, I never heard punch drunk love. Punch drunk is like a play on words from. Like I've heard it in a boxing sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're woozy after getting hit, you know, and it's like a yeah. play on words. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not like. It's not like. I'm just saying. Like, I have not. Like, I have not. No, no. But he didn't invent before. it like completely out of yeah, nowhere. Yeah. But it's still. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, one can assume what punch. If you hear punch drunk, like. You I don't know. know it could be a, a bunch of sixth graders at a dance. Someone spikes the punch. Hmm. <laughs> now I want putting him. True. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, that's the end of the film. But, yes, one more thing. One more thing. <laughs> so here we go. The mattress Man. The Mattress Man. So, <laughs> so, Brian, you had seen this before. Yeah, but you had showed me I it. Lo- <laughs> I love... I, was I the first one to ever show you it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I know, I show this to like, everybody. I showed it to John Harden like, after brunch one time because it came up. Um, you, sh- you just... This is your party gag. It, it's... <laughs> you show this exactly. to girls on the first date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, Colin, you had never seen this before, and you thought you were hoping maybe it was going to be like a fifteen-minute like special feature or cut scenes or something. But it's just this. Yeah, yeah, I just, that was my assumption. Yeah, because yeah. I was, I maybe I built it up too much. I, I mean, it's a gem <laughs> of a thing, but let's let's play. It's it. so visual, but we're going to play the clip anyway. Yeah, here we go. Hey, this is Dean Trumbull for the Mattress Man. Give me a call at three seven zero zero four sixty six. For limited time only, D&D Mattress has queen mattress sets for $99 and king sets for $129. Shit! Oh, man, you alright? Uh, oh, yeah! Shit, man, are you okay? Uh, I was afraid that was gonna happen. Uh, I was afraid that was gonna happen with that goddamn thing. Think you alright? Sure you okay? No, yeah, I'm fine. Did you try your arm and stuff? You yeah, alright, he's wearing, he's wearing leather. Fucked okay. up my guitar, though. Okay. Did you get it on film? Yeah, yeah we got it. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. 
So Mattress Man. I didn't know this till recently, actually. It's I don't want to call it a shot-for-shot shot remake since it's just one shot the whole time, but it's a exact remake of this guy called The Furniture Guy. Like, guitar on top of a truck. It's like even TNT versus D&D, but it's a furniture store versus Mattress Man. And he ha- uh, has a leather jacket on. The leather jacket line is verbatim. Like, the dialogue in this is verbatim. The noise that Philip Seymour Hoffman makes there, I just, again, people, it's visual. We'll, we, will, we will post this. But it's just, I, I love it. This this alludes, I mean, we've gotten Philip Seymour Hoffman funny in other roles, but this alludes to, like, his comedic capabilities. And I, I, I love it. It's just a perfect little, you know, <laughs> to, it's a perfect little topping on a delightful Sunday that is Punch Drunk Love. And it was included as a DVD extra. Looks like it hurts, too. Well, it's, it, was, uh, it was fake asphalt cushion underneath, actually. Ah, that makes sense. But what was I mean, Colin? You saw. I, I, yeah. I just like the crew. I just like the crew running. Like, you know, the the, the end of it's great. Yeah. Because like the crew, it's it's just very well done. Because it's like the crew runs over and then he's kind of like brushing them off, but like clearly he's hurt. <laughs> he kind of walks off camera. Like, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the... But like I said, underused, underutilized character. I mean, it's not. You know, the film's fine. It's not one of those bad films where you're like, wow, they didn't use that character at all, and it would have been amazing. You know, um, it's a good film, but you're like, you do want to see him in that world a little bit more. And I understand why. I think he's focused on the, the love story and all that stuff. And yeah, as we know, it's he wanted to make an Adam Sandler movie, but um, <clears throat> it's just you, you're watching it and you're like. You just want to see, I'm like, yeah, I want to see that guy more. That guy is amazing. Because yeah. <laughs> like I said, I don't even under, I want to know who he is. Like, because he's, he's so strange all across the board. Like some of his, his, um, his mannerisms and like how he reacts to things. It's like, like I said, is he mafia, mafia boss? Is he just like a decent guy? Like, I don't even know that. Like, is he like... Let's just let's just sum it up to that's what people from Utah are like. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we I'm love sorry. our Utah yeah, fan you, yeah, base. Yeah, Utah Hoff fans. I'm sorry, that was, that was we, a low. we love our Utah fan base. Um, but Kyle, I mean, I think you'll agree with me. We hear that a lot with seeing these like oh, now it's kind of like midway, but like earlier to midway Philip Seymour Hoffman roles, where we just want more a lot of the times. I mean, uh, obviously just we want more from him all the time but yeah you're right like in these middle career roles we had it in almost famous you know i mean that's just a great character that isn't in the movie that long more a little bit more than this movie but it's yeah it's just uh, in, in a perfect world i'm not i mean it's not a dream movie but in a movie that has like a dream state like feel um I'm going to live in a little dream world where we got a spin-off movie of Dean Trumbull. And I'm just going <laughs> to Well, it's funny cuz in in um uh, years years ago, I'm I'm older than you guys, I think, but I know I'm older than Kyle. Um Brian, I don't know, but I'm assuming you're the same age. <laughs> you are. Um, yes, we are the same. Age. And you know, I'm 41 and I think Kyle met this gentleman back in the day, but his name was Lee Chea. He's an actor, friend of Zach and my brothers and I. And um anyway, I I used to hang out mm-hmm. with him all the time, and um, Liche was sort of like a, a a working actor, struggling working actor in New York City, sort of 
play scene, like off-Broadway play scene. Anyway, long story short, although it's been long already, um, basically, like, he knew Philip Seymour Hoffman well. Because Philip Seymour Hoffman, at least back then, you have to understand, this is probably 2001, 2000, maybe, maybe 99. Well, it's that period, 99 to 2001. I used to hang out with him, and he lived above a play a play hall or playhouse. And one time Philip Seymour Hoffman came by because they were friends. And I met him. I met him twice. I've met him twice. I didn't know if this was I and you could cut this out by the way cuz no, this no, is like no, the, no, no. This, this is, is the asshole no, no, no. portion of the show. This is, awesome. this is like the name dropping asshole. You you should have like a like a like a like a a, a theme song come up and like some <laughs> yeah. sort of like singing it's asshole called, yeah, name yeah, exactly. part of the show. Name <laughs> Yeah. Long story short, he <laughs> he comes by and like I said, they were what basically what I ascertained from all of it was that and, and you have to keep in mind this was two thousand and one and you guys that or ninety nine to two thousand and one. So he wasn't the epic yeah. time guy he became. Um he was a he was a working actor in Hollywood, but he was like a god in the theater scene in New York City. Like the off-Broadway, like chops where you earn your chops as an actor. Philip Seymour Hoffman was like a like a legend, right? Awesome. And he comes by, and he, I met him. And he was super awesome. cool, like really nice. I didn't really talk much. Very like uh, uh, dark, a dark mm-hmm. guy. Um, nice, but dark. Like you could tell, like there's something yeah. more to this guy. Um, but you, the reason I bring that up is just the context of. Of one really, like I said, a really down to earth, like decent guy, and an actor's actor, like someone who is in it for the acting, like really could give two shits, probably about like where the movie was it made well, and and his filmography shows it. You know, I mean, he's connected on down. It's like he wasn't (laughs) exactly looking to do, you know, King Kong Five. It's like he was interested in doing like, like movies but but i know that plays that was like his thing that was like his what he cared about the most um at least back then and and like i said the younger actors of the time you know this being 2000 i was probably 25 Licho is a little older than me so you're talking about 26 27 actors like that that were sort of like trying to get their their way he was a real mentor but also like i said a legend already at that time because he had done a lot of off-broadway small independent type theater where it's like real acting you know and um and i think what what i long-windedly to get to where we were was you know just this notion of like how you guys were saying like he always seemed to be in these roles where it's like you wanted more and i think it's like it's because, I mean, he's, he is. I mean, he's probably, you know, I don't know where I'd rank him, but, I mean, it's in terms of actor's actor. I mean, he's one of the greats of all time. And so uh, he probably took these. Yeah. We're not going to argue with you on this show. Yeah, and he probably took, yeah, I know exactly. He's <laughs> like, no, he sucks. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, it's like you know, he, he probably took some of these roles in the context of he was interested in the character, but then he just made it way more than they ever the writer directors whatever ever thought it was going to yeah. be you know they probably were like yeah it's cool like scotty right that's the name of the twister guy right scotty no it's, uh, right? D- dusty and he's scotty and Boogie. dusty 
Kabuki Knights, yeah, yeah. But even that, both of those roles, you know, they're they're interesting characters, but they're obviously underwritten and they're not really, they're not seen probably as that valuable to the story in the big picture. Mm-hmm. But they become they he became so valuable because of the way he portrayed them and how what he brought to yeah. it. I mean, hey, we chose him for that reason, for, you know, not just a reason, that reason. He's someone that reached out to, so you're saying, actors of that time. He was a role model, like, a, this is what you can. You work hard, you pick the right roles, or not even the right roles, but you make something out of nothing. Like, that's what he was to actors. And then just to, like, viewers and, a, and people that love film like us, he's just someone that was just always a treat. Like he was just someone you, you, you came, you know, when you come home and there was just, you know, like, and your mom bought your favorite snack for you. That's like, that's what this guy was as far as in movie form. He was, I mean, at least to me, that's just, you, you didn't always know he was going to be in a movie. Kyle, your childhood sounds so nice. <laughs> I had a very nice childhood. Besides <laughs> no, all no, the, but you're absolutely right. Besides you're all the fun right. sex lines that I called, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean... And when you got extorted. Yeah. I had to almost punch a mattress man. <laughs> Sounds familiar. So, I mean, that's... Thank you for sharing that story. That looked yeah. really awesome. That's awesome. That was really... Yeah, Colin. Good good stuff. So anything else you guys want to touch on with Punch Drunk Love? Or? I, I, I feel like I've shared my my feelings, my love for it and just again Philip Seymour Hoffman and what is one of my favorite performances of him. I've, I know I've, I know I said it, like, you know, that there's pl- plenty that I love and that I'm excited there's plenty more that I'm also excited for but just him in this role just the way he talks and just that co- the confrontation that happens between the two of them is just some of my favorite scenes, one of my, you know, favorite roles of his is just fantastic. Mm. So, Colin, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, no problem. Where can people find you? Where can where can people? What are you up to? I yeah, guess. What are, yeah. Like, what are you up to? And share with the world. Well, the people well. who listen, at least. <laughs> I'm currently. Uh, I sort of. I don't know if I'd call it a second career wind or whatever, but um, I am currently a horror film director, writer, producer. Awesome. Um, I'm working on my second one um, in conjunction with Scream Time Films out of Texas. I live in Texas. Um, And uh, my first one, uh, to plug, if I I may, uh, my first one is called Sleepover, and it's available on Amazon Prime. Oh, awesome. Free to Prime members. One of our favorite places to watch something. I'm checking that out. Yeah, so and it's it's uh you know not punch drunk love esque, <laughs> but it's definitely a, a a borderline experimental horror film. I, I and and very low budget, so just putting it out there. But I'm I'm currently wrapping up my second one called Bloody Drama, and if you're if you're listening and you find that interesting or you like horror films, uh, you can find us. Uh, my I call it my sort of behind the scenes. Uh, a view of the film at um at instagram at um at bloody underscore drama that's at bloody underscore drama and it's basically like i'm like so not tech savvy and i'm not a social media guy uh one of my actors was like you need to use instagram so he kind of coached me but um i've been i've been shooting on and off since january 
And so I've been using the Instagram world sort of um, as a as a place to sort of showcase the exact shooting via photos. There's videos, um, behind the scenes stuff. So it's just like a content thing to sort of if you follow it, you get to sort of if you get interested enough, you get to sort of see this like sort of like little film that could be made as like in real time almost. Um, so yeah, so wrapping up that and you know, that's it. And that'll be available on Amazon prime, hopefully in uh, November, probably around there, depending on how fast I can edit. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. Colin, you let me, I knew you were making a film and I had seen some things on uh, Facebook, but when we talked the other day and you, uh, told me about your Instagram and I started following and I can tell you people the the mask of this uh, of uh, the killer in the film is that uh, yeah of the bad guy the you know is really creepy like I'm you know I'm not a master of uh, horror and you know but like, you do get creeped out yeah and this this is a very exactly I do get creeped <laughs> out and uh, this is this this mask and that's what I've seen thus far of it it just it looks like you had it looks like you had fun making it obviously and that's awesome that you're uh, getting into this like horror genre, I'm I'm really looking forward to checking. I you know I've been meaning to ask you. I know Zach had seen it, and I don't know if he had a hard copy of it, but that's awesome that it's on Amazon Prime, your first film. So I'm going to definitely check that out. Yeah, yeah and definitely we'll Thank link you. it to our Facebook. Yeah, that'd be yeah. amazing. Yeah, Thank we'll you guys. Yeah, as well. no, this has been awesome. I love talking yeah. film. I could talk about any film all the time. Yeah, and so if you just like Barry, if you can give us your social security number and all, <laughs> all your information. Well, you, have, you, you can trust se- us. You have yeah, to talk tr- sexy to me. I don't do it. You have to talk sexy. Come on. <laughs> that was like a. And that was Colin yeah, Borat. Yeah, that was like a, like a makeshift <laughs> Borat. I can actually do a better one, which I won't do, but I like anyone who knows me who listens, that's going to be like, wow, that was bad compared to his normal. <laughs> my solo my solo podcast is gonna be just people coming on having people do, uh, you know non-professional imp- imp- impersonations or impression imp- oh i'm impressions. all over that i got a morgan uh, i can't be on that one i would love to be on that one i got i got morgan freeman <laughs> yeah. ready i'm ready freeman i got like five in the bag i do a really good andre the giant if i just ate a roast beef sandwich <laughs> so we'll and get he, you that he, roast beef sandwich Kyle. yeah exactly <laughs> and, uh... so thanks for listening guys as always like follow share subscribe comment let us know so many lovely comments out there people yeah we're getting some good comments we had a comment fight the other day that was nice yeah that was cool not between us between two Hoff fans or one was a Hoff fan one wasn't I digress but definitely uh, you know spread the word we're loving the feedback Next week we have a kind of thriller, right? That's the Silence of the Lambs prequel. Yeah. Red Dragon. Red Dragon. We've got... Your second favorite Brett Ratner film. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, Emily Watson is in it again. She doesn't pick as good of a guy as uh, as Barry. <laughs> she picks Ray Fiennes as a serial killer, so that's cool. But, um, yeah, and Colin, we always end the show now with uh, throwing it out to our listeners to stay uncool. So if you could say that. Stay uncool. Now I'm Borat. Stand cool, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. Right, thanks, guys. <laughs>
sexy thing, sexy thing, you. I believe in miracles. 